Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's wrong with this country, Marty? Money. You talking about Evil defense contractors had it, noble causes did not. Politicians are bought and sold like so much chattel. Our problems multiply. Pollution, crime, drugs, poverty, disease, hunger, despair. We throw gobs of money at them. Problems always get worse. Why is that? Because money's most powerful ability is to allow bad people to continue doing bad things at the expense of those who don't have it. I agree. Listen, when I was in prison, I learned that everything in this world, including money, operates not on reality, but the perception of real. People think a bank might be financially shaky. Consequence, people start to withdraw their money. Result, pretty soon it is financially shaky. Conclusion, you can make banks fail. Psst. I've already done that. Maybe you've read about a few. <laughs> think bigger. Stock market? Yes. Currency market? Yes. Commodities market? Yes. Small countries? I might even be able to crash the whole damn system. Destroy all records of ownership. Think of it, Marty. No more rich people, no more poor people. Everybody's the same. Isn't that what we said we always wanted? Because you haven't gone crazy, have you? Have you? Who else is going to change the world, Marty? Greenpeace? <laughs> you are crazy. From the 1992 film, Sneakers, with the dialogue between the Robert Redford and Ben Kingsley characters. Ah, uh, isn't it mystifying how nothing has really changed? The same frozen themes permeate our world, almost as if we're in a hologram that occasionally glitches to expose the empire that never ended in a black iron prison. Yes, the movie Sneakers came out more than 30 years ago, and if anything, the situation is worse today as we reach a collective psychic Armageddon. Well, it's not really a measure of mental health to be well-adjusted in a society that's very sick. It really is time to bring the whole damn thing down. Because most meat sacks just can't grok reality or can't even grasp that the perception of reality drives them. Yet we of the broken places see the man behind the curtain that wickedness in high places and see through their satanic sorcery of manipulating the perception of reality. We're running with those searching for the truth and avoiding those who have found it. We won't get fooled again. By the power of truth, I, while living, have conquered the universe. Personal motto? From Faust. That's about trying to cheat the devil, isn't it? Don't be an ass, Miguel. Humans are smarter and have access to more knowledge than ever. Society is stronger against being manipulated. 
people don't get brainwashed that often. Okay, rhetorical meat sack normie NPC. How about this, you loser and acolyte to the mainstream media, pharmaceutical industry, and two-party system? I'm in a polyamorous relationship with two life-size companion dolls. I also do up-close sex magic. I both breed and masturbate to tarot. How about a recent study, one conducted in 2021? The research found that false memories of autobiographical events can be implanted and then reversed. The researchers recruited 52 participants for a study on quote-unquote childhood memories, and with the help of parents, they implanted two false negative memories that didn't happen, but were plausible, such as getting lost, running away, or being involved in a car accident. Over three repeated interviews, participants developed false memories of the suggested events under minimally suggestive conditions, and even more so using massive suggestion. The researchers then used two strategies to reduce false memory endorsement, source sensitization and false memory sensitization. In a one-year follow-up, false memory rates further dropped to 5%, and participants overwhelmingly rejected the false events. Yet here are the key statistics from the study. 27% of participants developed false memories of the suggested events under minimally suggestive conditions. 56% of participants developed false memories of the suggested events using massive suggestion. A reality is just what we tell each other it is. Sane and insane could easily switch places if the insane would have become the majority you would find yourself locked in a padded cell, wondering what happened to the world. So, if in a small study, humans can be easily gaslighted, imagine living in a world where the Archons and their Karens and Katamites in the establishment are influencing the perception of reality 24-7 with unlimited funds, with complete control of the mainstream media and most of the learning institutions, of social media algorithms, etc., etc. You don't think they might, just might, have near-total control over the hologram around the Black Iron Prison? Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. We are their cattle. We are being bred for slavery. Welcome to the truth. Welcome to the desert of the real. Welcome to the machine, my son, and the means to escape it. Here at Aeon Bite. This is where we regain our minds and exercise all the false memories Yaldi Baldi has been implanting in our heads in all our lifetimes across the fucking multiverse. I know Kung Fu. We lean on the timeless hermetic and Gnostic way of inner knowing. 
that anamnesis power of gnosis that expands consciousness, that sends our spirits beyond the sublunar worlds to the embrace of Sophia and the laughter of Hermes. Yes, you shining crazy diamonds. It's all about the mind, the higher mind, your birthright to see beyond all the veils and that helps you journey across all possibilities to reach your potential. What is so interesting about the brain? The brain drives our thoughts, our behavior. It holds all of the secrets of the universe. The secrets of the universe? There's a whole hidden world inside each one of us which only needs to be deciphered. That's been my focus since this podcast started. And in this eternal now, we goddamn continue. For this pleasure, please welcome to the virtual Alexandria, Ethan Indigo Smith, who will discuss the connection of Hermeticism and Taoism, and the breathtaking ideas in between, including sacred geometry, Asian meditation and mysticism, numerology, and Egyptian magic. These red pill suppositories come from several of his books, including The Tao of Thoth. Ready yourself to remove Wittiko or the counterfeit spirit from your monkey brain in this electric interview. It's raining gnosis. Hallelujah. Some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I am willing to make. Nothing has changed in my mission. It's all about the inner journey. It's all about accessing your higher mind or daemon. It's all about finding the lost you that houses an amazing and sacred mission to heal a fallen universe. I hope I have served you well and know that you indeed have an incredible destiny if you embrace the hermetic and Gnostic path. Sure, They'll call us crazy and rebels who want to bring the whole thing down. And they're kind of right. Reminds me of this quote by Kierkegaard. A fire broke out backstage in a theater. The clown came out to warn the public. They thought it was a joke and applauded. He repeated it. The acclaim was even greater. I think that's just how the world will come to an end. To general applause from wits who believe it's a joke. Society is a fraud so complete and venal that it demands to be destroyed beyond the power of memory to recall its existence. Where there is fire, we will carry gasoline. I agree, Kierkegaard. And we don't even have to bring the whole thing down. These meat sack NPCs are doing well at this. And the Archons have become senile and unimaginative in their memory implanting and hologram shifting. It doesn't matter, oh you clowns of the Black Iron Prison. The game is the same. We go inward. We access our higher mind. We find our authentic self. And then everything will be alright, even as the house burns. As the Buddhist saying goes, the barn has burned. But now we can see the moon. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men 
just want to watch the world burn. So it is. But again, allow me to quote the gloomy Dane when he said, Life must be lived forwards, but can only be understood backwards. The idea is to remain in a state of constant departure while always arriving. Saves on introductions and goodbyes. The ride does not require an explanation, just occupants. Let it all burn down. Those meat sack normie NPCs are so unconscious, as delusional with their false memories as the arconic mind parasites want them to be. It's like what philosopher Zizek said about the problem of wokeness. In short, he argued that wokeness allows people to wake up in order to stay asleep. Certain progressive practices like ethical consumption, virtue signaling, buying a cup of coffee to eliminate poverty, or some other idiotic gesture allows them to feel like better people, but in the end fails to really address the underlying structural, systemic injustices and exploitations of our suffocating consumer lifestyles. Things you own end up owning you. Woke culture is about repressing guilt by means of some moronic narrative that makes meat sack normie NPCs pretend they're trying to eliminate the very thing they're actually contributing to grow. Did you hear nothing I said? Buy another one, Morty. Consume, Morty. Nobody's out there shopping. Uh, maybe the Archon Mind Parasites do have some imagination. No matter. Let us eliminate those false memories and access our higher mind with our interview with Ethan. Turned it into a video game. How am I doing? I don't know. I don't even know how to know. That's it, isn't it? If we don't know what's real, you can't resist. They took your story, something that meant so much to people like me, and turned it into something trivial. It's what the Matrix does. It weaponizes every idea, every dream. Everything that's important to us. We're better to bury truth than inside something as ordinary as a video game. That sounds like the Oracle. Heard <laughs> so much about her. This is the Aeon Bide interview. And with us, we have the pleasure of being joined by Ethan Indigo Smith to discuss a plethora of excellent and useful books, which we will cover, of course. Ethan, how are you? And thanks for coming on the show. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for involving me with all your excellent teachings, Miguel. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. By the, the grace of the guests go I, and I'm very honored to be able to share this important gnosis in these uh, sad, collapsing times of our eroding culture. But it is what it is. We we wake up or we don't. And with us, too, we've got the Moondog Vance. Vance, you got your Dawan? Yeah, I got my Dow on <laughs> and a number of other things. <laughs> awesome. 
Looking forward to this. I love the spiritual angle on things, of course. Indeed, yes. And uh, for the audience, uh, Ethan has written many good books, including The Fourth Initiation, The Tao of Thoth, which I read yesterday or a couple of days ago, and I was like, whoa, this is useful. This is exactly the direction of the show I want to go because part of my goal is to uh, sort of uh, connect Taoism and Gnosticism, especially since I am so influenced by Taoism these days. And his other book is The Geometry of Energy, How to Meditate. And he's written a novel, The Terrorist Letters. So we shall cover all of these. But first, Ethan, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a heretic. I was I was born one, and I think <laughs> the world made me one. Yeah. Um, I, I have America, a classic Americana story, kind of born on a farm, ended up in uptown Manhattan, and then moved out west. And I've been out west pursuing, you know, my own uh, 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 scholastic pursuits and athletic pursuits. I, I've been a snowboarder for a number of years, and wow. um, I now practice and teach Tai Chi. And I've always wanted to get into the literary arts and, um, you know, trying to make make things happen that route as well. Awesome. Awesome. Quite a story. Yeah. As according to your bio, yeah, you do practice meditation, Wu Tai Chi Chuan, uh, the five Tibetan rites, yoga, all the good stuff. So I guess the question somebody might have is because your books deal with Western philosophy and mysticism. Uh, how can, why did you decide to uh, write these very syncretic books and how can you bring East and Western philosophies together? Well, one of, I think an initiation process in and of itself is integration, integration of ideas, integration of the philosophical within the physical, like many Taoist Tai Chi practices. Um, you know, in, integration of mind, body, and spirit, as the expression goes, um, and in, integration of East and West ideas can also be uh, a powerful modality. Um, I actually learned a bit more about Eastern uh, philosophy and practices first. Uh, so, so as I began to expand my um, education more into the Western esoteric uh, knowledge, that's when I began to see, or, you know, maybe at first into it that there was some relationships that were worth expanding. Um, often enough, with the number four, one can find these relationships. Uh, in fact, um, one of the more Eastern ideas, but that is applicable universally, uh, uh, excuse me, um, Western ideas from, from the Zohar uh, is, is a matrix of four, if you will, the four parts, the PRDS. Um, and this is actually, they call these sometimes the four paths to paradise and the paradise of comprehension. And the four parts are directly related to interpretation of biblical teachings, as the Zohar elucidated, of course, but um, I find are universally applicable and that the four parts are an interpretation 
uh, sect where we can interpret biblical teachings um, in the literal fashion or the allegorical. And the third being is the comparative. And the fourth is the secretive. Um, and so all philosophical, spiritual teachings might have these at least four man manners of interpretation. Um, so I, I, I find that the universalist perspective enhances, you know, the under the gnosis, if you will, with the lowercase uh, of all kind of teachings. No, makes sense. And thanks for that. Uh, I know uh, Carl Jung always said that four was a very important number, that in the West, people were stuck on a trinity. You needed that number four, whether it was Sophia or some other concept to really round up or uh, complete the psyche. So it makes perfect sense. And yeah, I mean, we talk about East and West philosophy in three years. I'm sure you've heard the theories like uh, who influenced who was it the Silk Road where the Phoenicians taking this these secrets across the oceans and all that. But where do you stand? I would would you agree like me that if you meditate, you go deep within yourself, you touch upon the numinous. These ideas are there whether you're in China or uh, Alexandria, Egypt. Yeah, and this is a, a debate among scholars of East and West. Did these ideas, because of, as you said, elucidate individually, and they just happen to be the, you know, best summations, um, and, and thus were, you know, um, in, inspired both, you know, or, or multiple separate groups, or, or were they, um, you know, began somewhere and exchanged? It's really hard to say, I, I think, you know, but we can find... The, you know, the ancients, uh, of course, of Egypt and India and even China were, you know, some of the oldest, uh, you know, comprehensive of med uh, teachers of metaphysics, that being of physics and the beyond uh, the spiritual as well. So it's Perfect. hard. I, I really don't know to say, but I feel like there's a, I call it uh you know, Texanism, and excuse my bias, but Texas is the best state to Texas, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and New York is the best state to New Yorkers right. and on. But I feel like where these um, really profound ideas originated is less important than maybe utilizing what what these teachings are of value and maybe not um, boxing them in. Right. Well, this this is from the Zohar, so it's only applicable to the Old Testament. No, actually, this is a useful tool um, and we can find these useful tools from or or rather given credit to different groups and cultures. But I, I think the the real power, of course, is in applying them. Right. The, the power, the power of of any lesson is is applying it, you know, so. Yeah, well said. Uh, and what about you, Vance? Do you fall under the collective unconscious Akashic Records, or should we just say the the Nordics, the aliens, dropped off all this information at once? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really sure, but uh, no, I think there's a deep source within everyone where a lot of this stuff comes out, and it might even be that the aliens are are a manifestation of it. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, on the other hand, you know, there's probably uh, there are probably other beings other than humans that are have been around longer and have had longer time to dig into themselves, so to speak. So, uh, but I can't say, you know, I can't say. It, it is really hard to say, but surely the the uh, Silk Road, all the trade was influential right we we can we can in, infer you know that all these teachings and and we know that uh different people traveled to uh egypt from asia right and we you know right. we know certainly their ideas did too but were they um you know people like to take ideas as their own and change ideas into their own because of usually not spiritual control but political control right so we've had umpteen or not umpteen we've had many centuries of these uh political influences so to know where they came from might be obscured by many different oligarchies <laughs> yeah cultures yeah. tend to shape things too you know uh, uh there there's a church in india uh, for, that was founded in the first century by um saint thomas i think it was and uh but but then then again, see they'll it'll blend with the local culture. So it's right. hard to say, isn't it, which yeah. which way things went? But the Indians, you know, in India, um, have records that go back further in terms of spirituality, right? Than than other cultures. And China's been around the oldest civilizations. Definitely, yeah. And either way, I'm sure some alien on the ninth moon of. Uh of Saturn or Jupiter could uh, benefit or see the same revelations meditating as we would. So <laughs> yeah, these are uh, the, the construct of the psyche. So awesome. Well, why don't we talk about your book? Uh, start out with the, the, the Tao of thought. Tell us about this uh, book and how you came to write it. Well, uh, you know, I have been a Tai Chi practitioner for a number of years now and the Tai Chi symbol or rather what we call the yin yang symbol is uh the tai chi um in chinese or tai chi tu um and that's where tai chi chuan gets its name from so this of course is based on four aspects the the minor yin and yang and the major yin and yang the swirls and the dots uh so that that idea or or symbol is surrounded by the bagua which is uh, the eight trigrams. And that is also another martial meditative movement system, Bagua, um, a um, more recent one than Tai Chi and Qigong. Uh, but that symbolism of the four and the eight seem to occur and be kind of a, a valuable idea. Um, and of course, in Taoist systems, there is the high and middle and low movements um, and so forth. So there's the three functions um, is utilized. Three, six, and nine, by the way, are are really a powerful numbers in Taoism. And the four also, as, as the yin-yang obviously elucidates. And the eight trigrams are kind of like the four, kind of like a two four excuse me four pairs in a sense because the the way that the philosophy multiplies on itself uh so this this eight elemental symbolism is uh used in the I Ching um to make the 64 trigrams again there's that kind of multiplying upon itself 
into the 64, which is eight multiplied by eight. Uh, and in in learning about hermetics or or rather hermetics through the Kybalion and many different systems, of course, seven is valued. And as Jung elucidated, and as uh, I found through exploring what I call the matrix of four, wherever there's a three, a third, the, uh, excuse me, wherever there's a, th a set of three, there's a fourth. And, and also beyond that, I, I kind of abstracted where there is seven, is there not an unset eighth? And, and looking at, uh, uh, you know, seven is, of course, uh, valued in many different systems, planetary, astrological, chakra, and so on. Um, and it's more symbolic and metaphysical than actual, uh, in the sense that uh, in Tibetan yoga, there used to be five chakra considerations. Um, so the number is not necessarily as important as the symbolism. However, um, you know, I saw Mark Passio's presentation on the hermetic system with that seven in mind, and he included the eighth mm. of care as he as he as he as he shares it. And so I, I realized that there was and beyond that, as I as I'm exploring that idea, inspired by his uh, uh, elucidation of that, that I don't he didn't bring together the east and west, right, with the Bagua, with the uh, hermetics that he taught with the eighth uh, concept of care. Um, and so exploring that further, the every egyptian god and i mean every city in ancient past had a god but every every egyptian god had a city of worship that was the main focus and with thoth it was hermopolis or what the greeks named hermopolis and and this is uh the city of eight of course and and this this eight uh, that Thoth is in um, uh, reference to is the eight neaters of, of ancient Egypt, uh, the primordial elemental gods of ancient Egypt, which very much uh, reflect the same idea as the Bagua, these being elemental forces, you know, that are, that are, you know, primordial and even before, and anti dis anti present, you know, kind of before it all. Um, and so that relationship of the eight with Hermopolis, of course, Thoth being then Hermes, the uh, Thoth energy, uh, Hermes Trismegistus. So uh, it all started to come together as a, as a uh, actually not my projection of the eight. And, and then I wanted to really take these philosophical ideas and elaborate physical applicable practices and you know at least thought systems that one could take into practice in life as tai chi kind of does it's a philosophy in motion if you will um so i found that that's what those uh tenets were kind of lacking were physical mannerisms to you know incite well-being wellness and even inspiration yeah you said uh thought energy 
like you said, and it's based on the tenets of Thoth. What are the tenets real quick? Well, of course, mentalism is first. I, I don't know if I can rattle them all off the top of my head. Oh, from the Kibalion. Yes, 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 of course, yes, I know that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Mentalism, um, you know, into, and it's interesting, um, polarity, the law of polarity right. is, is in there too. And that is not the second law. It's the fourth law. Um, and and one of the way it, one of the ways people I think um, can understand the difference between being polarized and using polarity is in that symbolism alone. Uh, in fact, the Pythagoreans, whenever anyone brought up the doad or the two, they would spit. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's that's one of the famous little weird things is that they didn't like the two not because of the number quantity but the number quality in that sense of divisiveness the either or mindset that's very talk about being boxed in the either or <laughs> my, uh, mindset really boxes our our level of comprehension in whereas what i call the duality of polarity or understanding that even polarity is polarized or another universal men actually a, a mental system of understanding this that's probably as you remarked on planet x wherever is the four operations of arithmetic right so so th this is this is depictive of a useful polarity system rather than a dynamic that limits so you have the actual duality of polarity with the subtraction addition division and multiplication um so that that lesson in the kaibalian being the the polarity being the fourth aspect i think you, we can we can get caught up in the polarity people curse it sometimes yeah yeah if you're in that either or modality that's very limiting but it's a it's actually a useful tool um, when you when you really project it how it's a, like with the arithmetic kind of format. No, makes sense. And your book uh, for the audience has useful exercises to really get into this. And uh, of course, it should be mentioned that the Gnostics uh, beyond the Hermeticists were very much into this idea of polarity and syzygies. It was uh, people think, well, they just hated the world. No, they at their core, they really wanted to balance out the light and the darkness and hold it up and be honest about it and let those two energies uh, interact with each other and be held held up. Because Beautiful. unfortunately, today, most most movements either ignore the light, they ignore the darkness or they have no no goals to balance these polarities and Taoism and Gnosticism are two uh, movements who stress this over and over again so very important that's beautiful and and I find just as an observational situational solution tool contrast and compare mm -hmm. like the, you can those you can find a, a, a polarity uh, or or a, a useful way to polarize concepts and find something you might not have thought of instead of the either or um one of the oldest philosophies that we're aware of uh from india is the tetralima or the 
Kapskoti, uh, um, and it is very mathematical, um, and it's very influential on uh, spiritual symbolism, um, including the Om symbol. Um, um, but this this tetralema is A or B or AB or X. So it's it's actually the simplest um, formation of completion in that sense. And, and it's a very rhetorically useful tool, but more as a manner of problem solving, not as, you know, just, just debate. No, it makes sense. I like uh, what you write in your book. You write, uh, Tai Chi is sometimes called the dance of death. Two primary yeah. components of Tai Chi are firstly, do no harm. And secondly, to always defend yourself and others. So you're always running with these paradoxes, aren't you? <laughs> well, uh, life is full of paradoxes. One of yeah, the yeah. one of the great paradoxes of Tai Chi as a modality of really uh, alchemy, really simple alchemy of self development. Right. Um, uh, the a great paradox is that in order to develop and change, we must repeat. That's kind of why we have these movements that are in the form that we repeat 10,000 times. Right. And um, many times I've been sharing Tai Chi and the first class person will ask, wait, you just, and we're kind of doing a very limited number of movements for that person being a newbie. And, and they go, wait, you just repeat these, this movement. It's too, it's too boring. Right. Um, <laughs> so um, whatever it is, whether it's Tai Chi, and that might be boring for some, but whatever it is, repetition is required for development. Another paradox. Makes perfect sense. And it's hard for us to get out of this thinking here in the linear Western world. I mean, of course, these things are useful, but as you write, uh, let me quote you. Most of the world is experiencing a suppressed consciousness. We are suppressed to be in a limited survival state. Even when our survival needs are met, the impetus to obtain is not shifted. Little growth is sought among the majority except for growth of finances. So I thought that pretty much uh, nails the problem we're having today, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's very upside down that we <laughs> keep on valuing what is, if you look at the chakra system, the base stuff. Right. We want to we want to get um, all of our basic primal needs fulfilled. We don't want to put those up top. But that's not the peak. That's the basic. Um, so, yeah, this this materialistic pursuit, you know, uh, as many have remarked before, numbers, if you're measuring by numbers and quantifying things, it's never ending. Um, so and if we're always thinking about obtaining which, you know, most of the world does that, not just the supposed capitalist West. <laughs> most people are constantly thinking about external exoteric things and concepts. Well, then you're not really going to ever even consider development, the internal esoteric potential, right? So, and even as I say that, it's not tangible. So it's difficult for people to go, well, I don't know, could I do could I develop self? Well, you know, it's real simple. Of course, you're, we're all not the same as we were as juveniles, hopefully, right? So, um, and then if we take on a practice that is 
you know, focused on development, it, it really is proactive. But just considering it is is sometimes uh, um, an initiation and a, a beginning. No, it makes uh, perfect sense. And yeah, and another little side question here, Ethan. Um, I know, obviously, Gnosticism posits that the world is a uh, is sort of a, a simulation. But uh, I have heard people who are into Taoism uh, who say, well, it's the same thing. In fact, the hexagram and the lines and all that, that's simply the code that mm. creates our perception of the universe. What do you think of this? Well, I think it's uh, one one important factor, whether we are on a flat earth or a globe earth or a simulation or stark reality, whether we're among um, interplanetary federation or we're the only planet with life. Yeah, or a brain in a vat. <laughs> or, well said, I, I think that the focus should be on rooting and grounding in what we can comprehend is real. And the most real that we can comprehend is our very self. Um, so I, that's that's a big part of Taoism is getting rooted into uh, what we can infer is reality, whether it's simulation or so on. There's a, a lot of uh, intermingling of the different philosophical schools um, in in Asia and China, of course. Um, and and uh, the the Buddhists and Taoists very much intermingle, and there's all kinds of great martial arts movies about that, and all kinds of wonderful teachings about that. Um, but uh, the the Buddha, when he first realized under the tree, under the Bodhi tree, right, um, he had what they call the four thoughts. And I think this is a very grounding comprehension uh, for reality. Um, um, the idea of precious human body is the first thought. The second thought is impermanent, Im impermanence. The third thought is uh, samsara. And the fourth is nirvana. Um, so these this idea is one way to understand our predicament <laughs> in a sense and and meditate on it too um, um so we have a limited time that we can be here um but we have this potential that other beings don't have um we don't have more value or more spiritual spark we have a different manner of potentiation than other beings so the, we have this precious human body that if if we can get past all those materialistic pursuits, we can start pursuing development. Um, and, and we have, of course, the limited time. And samsara is the mess that we're in. It is, <laughs> it is all of reality. And then everything is samsaric, um, um, not necessarily suffering in and of itself. But um, in every meeting, there's a parting um, and so forth. So, you know, there's potential of, of suffering largely in samsara, certainly. And nirvana is that X. Nirvana is the X from the tetralima. It's the unlimited void, right? When there's unlimited potential, it's actually quite scary. There, it's, it's, it's not there. It's about to be. 
Um, so it's not void of everything. It's just in potentiation. Makes sense. And well said. What, any questions, Vance? Yeah. Um, you know, I was just kind of reflecting on uh, Taoism, well, little I know about it, and uh, a, a lot of the, you know, Western ideas, like, for, the, for example, the Greeks and Romans and so forth. It seems that um, in Western culture, there's a concept of being able to contact other entities. I mean, even in modern times, we have the aliens and so forth, like we were talking about before. But Taoism seems to be um, very circum. Uh, scribed in that there's really no other there's no other world other than the world of the you know that we can perceive by the senses or at least it's not spoken of uh, what do you have to say about that well there is the philosophical Tao, and then there's also the maybe maybe religious Taoism is the best term but there's there's some very um wild ideas let's just say um, and and I, one could interpret some of these Taoist energies, um, you know, however gods and or, you know, however one wants to interpret their their energy um, as as being from other interplanetary kind of sources. Um, in fact, the, the Taoists more often than not are always considering the heavens. Right. There's a there's this another set of three that the Taoists are very aware of is uh, earth, heaven and man. Right. Um, so uh, one of the, you know, a basic meditation practice is to connect with the North Star, for instance. Um, and, you know, whether whether one can interpret these energies as being, you know, cosmic or alien symbol I, you're, you're right I, I mean that's that's certainly I don't think what many of them would say but um, I don't think they limit this you know creation as the only form of creation the only place place of do they draw inspiration from these uh, these other sources I mean when you meditate you could I mean there's a difference between inner and outer may maybe not you know maybe well, inner and outer are really just another polarity that we uh, that we use to describe things other than our ordinary everyday consciousness but uh, uh, on, on the Taoists I don't mean to limit you to Taoists but uh, that uh, the Taoists do they do they ever draw from or get inspiration from these other sources I, I am sure that they do because it's a, a quite varied you know just to say Taoist it would be you know so, so it's not necessarily monolithic. Um, yeah. So some, some I'm sure do. I, I know, you know, some of the Taoist meditative practices get, you know, very cosmic um, and, and talk about interplanetary bodies and or um, our five bodies. Um, so, you know, they, some of their ideas are, are, you know, very cosmic in their relationships um, um, to the point of having astronomical correspondences in these esoteric meth methodology, meditation methods. Um, so I don't think um, actively and overtly they refer to extraterrestrials necessarily. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, the Taoist flying saucer, right? <laughs> <laughs> the yin and yang. <laughs> well, and and I just I I mean I think that um, one of the one of the great things about say the ism of Taoism, as opposed to other isms, is uh, among some of them have this quality too, but most don't have the integration quality. Um, and so sometimes in life, we our our modality of Tao is going to be different, right? When when we're youthful. Our alignment with nature is just fine on funyuns and and cupcakes. It's okay. <laughs> as as we get older, we have to actually pay more attention to our our way of being to align better with Tao. So you know this. There's many different kind of ideas, but and to that point, Taoism is about alignment and integration. But sometimes. Uh, excuse me, alignment and integration with the with the nature, natural and and nature. But sometimes, you know, after a big meal, we might want to go to sleep, and nature is saying we should just be fine with that. But it's not good for our our digestion. Um, sometimes we just want to not do things, and yet we actually probably to be more effectively aligned, we might have to be more active sometimes. So. You know, sometimes the nature will kill you. <laughs> so you have to. Sometimes, most of the time. Yeah, yeah. It's so going to kill you. Inevitably. <laughs> yeah, inevitably, inevitably. So we have to sometimes unalign ourselves with the, you know, cosmic grind. You know, right. we have yeah. to, we have to be in uh, um, the Chinese, say, the um, the philosophical man or the enlightened man or the, the, in the West, often it's the Uberman, right? We have to be a step above, mostly or beginning with our thinking. Because when we, you know, uh, what did grandmother say? If you hold your face like that, you're going to end up that way. Well, it's true, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because if we limit our perception to one type of box schematic, then we end up in a certain way. Um, so so um, first is imagining that, the flowing of chi is possible and then you cannot unimagine it often is is the expression no well said and i love it uh and it's interesting uh, in taoism you have the energies of the male and the female is it similar to that of the west the lunar the solar the passive the penetrative is that what it is more or less that's, in the East? that's a beautiful correspondence yeah okay. um um and i and i find that the yin yang symbol of course, it has the the gender symbolism. It has the the energetic symbolism um, in and and different types of polarity presentations that are are useful in uh, understanding, you know, sets of energies. Well, moving towards, let's get back to on our on our flying saucer with the yin yang on it and fly back to Egypt, but um. You come up with some great ideas and symbols. Uh, why don't we talk about the Ankh symbol? Tell us about your insights, which appear in more than one of your books. Well, the the Ankh represents what Jung was elucidating to the three and the fourth. Right. Um, there and and the fourth uh, of the set of four is um, often enough the 
higher insight. And with the Tetra Lima of the Indian version, as I mentioned, it's the X. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the void where potential, um, you know, arrives from. And, and you know, it's the Ma of the matrix from which is born. So in, uh, in many different systems, that's noted as the higher feminine um excuse me many different interpretations of the ankh that uh, the circle on the top is noted as the higher uh the feminine uh from where all uh originates and in tai chi symbolism symbolism with the uh Taoist ideas they elucidate the same exact thing from the minor yin comes everything from the most subtle um is is which is the most real but the most undetectable to us being in the most gross and and of of course uh you know this is this is presented in the kabbalic tree of life right um from from the most subtle originates the real and it works its way down from that fourth most subtle level down the other three and we are in the lower floor (laughs) um and and so uh consciousness can be understood as going horizontally our understanding right um is is kind of connecting with other people through the akashic this is a horizontal energy um um so the collective is kind of works like that those two arms individual consciousness if we're not, um, you know, one time I was listening to Osho and he said, I only work with rich people. I mean, this guy's crazy, <laughs> right? Um, but but then there is there is some truth in that because you can not rich people, but you can't you can't work with people that are hungry, right? You have to or or that are pursuing materialistic things still. Um, so you have to um, to ascend. You have to actually focus on the intangible the the ideal um the non-physical which you know the the non-physical the several different systems in buddhism have the gnosticism with the lowercase g right um um, like tibetan buddhism that integrated with bon um the the indigenous kind of um belief system there and and it's all about self-development but don't focus on it right don't if we keep on reaching for the Tao and grasping it it keeps on rolling away of course so so um when we focus it's on it's like sometimes what we focus on is uh you know a way to mess us up is kind of what that teaching is. So don't don't pursue these what they call cities, S-I-D-H-I-S, um, these these uh, effects of meditation that might allow us to pierce the veil and have these um, flickers of intuition where we perceive the minor yin, right? So don't don't pursue it because that will mess up your meditation. So it's a trick. No, it makes sense. As uh, Richard Smalley once said years ago, and I 
follow him uh why do you meditate i meditate to meditate that's what i do i have no expectations yes i will let it lead where i need to go i am going to go and it might be a powerful mystical experience or i might just feel a bit calmer but again not up to me i don't don't let my ego have the agenda (laughs) that's yeah that that's so that's a beautiful point because once we have uh that that direction with our ego then it messes up the meditation because the meditation can be a process a thoughtful process but often enough it's uh, not about the end result of that process it's about understanding the lessons in the present um and better yet more difficult yet just to you know not not think exactly and sometimes i mean obviously there's manifestations and i think for example i love tonglen meditation as i was telling vance i really messed up my knee so of course i do tonglen and i try to focus on its healing but at the same time uh with tonglen you're just not thinking of yourself then you've got to give to the universe right i want all other people who have hurt their knees to uh heal give me their pain and i will carry their pain so there is certain beauty about meditation too yeah yeah that's a that's a beautiful concept that is always in the eastern meditations right and even in in jewish tradition when they break the uh glassware at the wedding so to speak right Uh this is this is we want to we want to be aware of the others and what does that do implicitly increases our awareness um well said so the the uh of course the buddhist uh meditation beads of 108 beads um when they meditate they use these to count the number of mantras that they might be invoking and um 100 are for them eight are for the others and and who didn't have the opportunity uh the precious human body where they weren't hungry to practice so they it's intrinsic in everywhere well said well said indeed yeah as uh the mandalorian would say this is the way this is the Tao." and if some have said yeah george lucas was just you the force is just the Tao. is that a, is that a useful way of seeing the Tao as sort of a force that permeates that is the universe or what do you think it is uh the inexpressible but that is a good way to approach it right i mean the the dao is uh the origination the subject of the dao is the origination of those who speak it don't know it those who don't know it don't speak it (laughs) (laughs) right because because uh the uh the Tao Te Ching I believe he says you know effectively that You, you cannot explain the inexplicable but to build on but to build on what you're saying um i think the dao is the anti-present right it's it's the energy that even was before creation um so certainly um as jesus notes right it, it's if it, is it under the rock is it you know um is it in your heart um so um one meditation uh, a Taoist meditation is alignment uh, to to consider the alignment with the Tao and so I mean that's the flow of the seasons that is the exchange a martial exchange it's it's the spoken word um the Tao is there 
Um, and so our chi is how we um, can embody ourselves within, you know, different aspects of the Tao. Um, so, you know, a Kung Fu is a term that everyone's familiar with. And often people think it means martial arts or something like that. But it, what it actually means, more neat idea, is what's your self-development hobby? Like Qi Gong, right, is your Qi hobby, Qi development hobby, right? Um, your Qi Gong. So Gong Fu is your self-development hobby, not necessarily to, pertaining to Tai Chi, uh, to Qi, excuse me. Um, so uh, we all should have a Gong Fu. Whether it's um, how, how we speak or how we write or how we do our um, different form, but people used to meet in China and say, "Oh, cool! What's your what's your gung fu? Show me." Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe it was <laughs> the oil pourer. Uh, uh, there's a there's a neat little allegory of a, a young uh, swordsmith is in town and he happens to be exceptionally skilled, but he's a young kid and his mother tells him to go get the oil because the oil salesman is in town and uh, he goes and he gets the oil from the man with the cart and he pours the oil into these little um, mouth bowl p- uh, pots, vases, tiny little mouth. And he doesn't spill a drop and the kids can watch him. How, what? I always spill everything with that. How do you do that? How did you do that? And he says, Oh, you think that's neat? Watch this. And he takes the Chinese coin, which have holes in it because they would carry them on string to not lose them. And he puts the coin over the mouth. And so it's even smaller. And he, you know, does a little kung fu and pours it in there. And again, nothing spills. Kid says, how, how do you do that? He says, <laughs> I practice. <laughs> and of course, the kid is inspired to practice even more. So um, how what is our kung fu? We should, we should practice something, right? Because... Uh, I like to say, if you're not training, you're being trained. Mm. Perfect. <laughs> you know? Yes. So, so whether it's meditation, whether it's walking, whether it's some kind of just mindful journey, a meditation practice, these things make a profound difference. Practice, right? It has to be repeated. It's we like to get our PhD and we're done. You know, <laughs> how, however long we do the thing, and then we're done. Well, Buddha said. If you no longer need the fish trap, you can get rid of it. But <laughs> I, I'm not Buddha myself, so I still need to eat. I still need to meditate. I still am improving all the time. So I haven't got rid of the fish trap, which is meditation. Yeah, even the gods have to meditate and have karma. I don't right. think anybody, nobody's out of it. Yeah, and I love what you said about the Tao. Reminds me, we can go back, again back to Egypt and their idea of the Heka or Matt. Could be comparable, right. obviously, the Gnostics and the Pleroma. Right. Jung said the Pleroma is everywhere and it's nowhere. It's right in front of you. But it, like you said, uh, you got to lift up the stone, as Jesus says in the Gospel of Thomas, or to tear the veil of reality to take a peek. And uh, so it's interesting. Also, too, I wanted to mention, Ethan, uh, you talked about uh, our our friend Osho uh, teaching the rich with his little fleet of Rolls Royces. Right. But uh Gurdjieff was the same way. He always taught yeah. the upper class Russians because A, they had money, B, they were the most empty and neurotic of all the people in mm. Russia. <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. 
And, and it gets to be, I think, if we reach uh, the capacity and the age where we have our needs fulfilled, and I think it's a natural uh, direction pursuit to what else can I, how can I make myself better for myself and others? I, uh, um, so yeah, once, once you get your basics fulfilled or, or sometimes beyond that, then you start looking for that stuff too. But yeah, they mostly need, that's a good point. They're the most neurotic. <laughs> yeah, Maslow's a hierarchy of needs, I guess, at the top. Neurosis is what should be one right before self-actualization. <laughs> is that another polarity? Like, you know, you have the extremely enlightened attracts the extremely neurotic. <laughs> right, there you go. You know, I, I mentioned uh, how the Ohm symbol is parallel with the tetralema or the katskoti excuse my killing of that from ancient indian philosophy um and the the om has the four parts but it's often perceived as just three like so many things so many valuable sets really not just not just regular sets even um so the om symbol has the three sounds a u m but silence is important to conceptualize because that's the fourth enunciation or sound of Om. And its symbolism, it, it symbolizes the four states of consciousness, the wake state and dream state polarity that we pretty much function under every day, and the um, heightened dream state and heightened awakened state. The third level of consciousness is that movie moment when everything slows down, this, this great athletic or artistic modality when we get into the zone, so to speak, right. um, whether it's momentary or prolonged, um, this higher level of creative consciousness, again, athletic or artistic. And the fourth aspect of consciousness symbolized in Om that corresponds with silence is the highest level of consciousness and is noted to be behind the veil. It's the point behind the veil. As that expression goes, it comes from that symbol. And, and this is the um, Christ consciousness and Buddhahood. This is the across the sea of Mara. That's you have to swim across an ocean type of thing there. And there you get to the even higher level. Um, as the symbol points out, but it's it's um, amazing how it effectively demonstrates consciousness in four aspects that are that is complete. Well, awesome. Well, we are at the end of the interview, Ethan. Where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, some websites, or where where do you want to take them? Yeah, I, I have a few websites. Uh, the Geometry of Energy. Um, the Matrix of Four, and I'm I'm very easy to find on all the social media. I think uh, it should be anyway, Twitter, YouTube, and so forth. Um, so, so, and I always appreciate uh, feedback and communication. Of course, my books are on Amazon and all that. Awesome. Well, we'll have some uh, links on the show notes for those of you who uh, want to check it out. And I would definitely check out Ethan's work. There's something for you for what you're looking for fiction meditation practices connecting 
these uh, the two hemispheres of the world and the, the sort of wisdom of the ages. There's something for everyone. But uh, yeah, we are at the end. Vance, thanks for keeping us company. Oh, it's uh, really great to be here. And thank you, Ethan, for the all the wonderful information. Thanks so much for you guys. It's my, my honor and privilege. Appreciate it. Thank you. And there you have it, yes, shining crazy diamonds. Rock on, Ethan. In our second part, Ethan will talk about the riddle of the Sphinx and how it relates to Hermeticism and Eastern thought. He'll discuss the connection between Stoicism and Eastern religions. Then we'll pivot to quantum physics, sacred geometry, more on Taoism, and, yes, much more on everything else. So please become a member for the full Oracle. It's only $6.99 for AB Prime or $4.99 at Red Circle, or as little as $3 a month at Patreon. You'll get access to my private Facebook group and Discord channel for AB Prime members and higher level patrons. If you find value in this content, please help grow this red pill cafeteria. Your help can be in the form of a one-time donation on Stripe or the US mail or even crypto. There is also a link on the show notes if you want to leave a tip or you can tip on any YouTube show. There's always the merch store and a wish list on Amazon. And consider the Finding Hermes program where we have monthly exclusive meetings and presentations with many past guests hanging out there for high-octane gnosis. I also have a one-on-one tier if you want to talk every month about Gnosticism or some other heresy or discuss healing modalities or addiction recovery. If you need help with uh, any of these choices, just message my ass. I'm always here to help and I truly appreciate your help. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.